You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Karen Brown, and she is CEO of Velocity Leadership Consulting, which is an executive coaching firm focusing on how to use behavioral neuroscience to help with improvement and leadership. She is also author of Unlimiting Your Beliefs, and she is an Ironman triathlete. And we're going to find more about her experience becoming a triathlete and how she used the techniques that she does with Uh, executives and how to help their performance to achieve what she has done both professionally and in athletics. With that, Karen, welcome to the program. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So why don't we start with your background? I, I see a lot of different kind of interesting things here from everything from athletics to leadership to development. Tell us a little bit about the story. Like, How did you get from from where you were before into writing the book, into uh, being a leadership coach. And then we can talk a little bit more about the work that you do. Yeah. So for 20 years, I was an executive and this was, this was quite a while ago, let's just say. And (laughs) back then there was no external business coaches, right? Like that wasn't even a thing. But when I was an executive, I was trying to figure out how to bring out the best in my team members. And so I literally fell into coaching them. I was fascinated with human behavior and mostly trying to understand my own. (laughs) (laughs) First, understand myself. What I was doing or not doing. And so I started coaching my team members by asking them questions about what motivated them, what perpetuated them being stuck what really helped them. And that opened up some huge pathways into their potential and their performance. So that 20 years, I was, I guess, sort of an internal business coach, but again, just coaching my own team members to bring out their best. And that whole time I was moving up the corporate ladder. I had all the outward trappings of success. You know, I had a nice life. Although I had this nagging feeling inside that I was capable of so much more and that I wasn't tapping into it specifically the ability to compete in, some would say, the toughest race on the planet, which is the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. Yeah, so that was a 28-year dream. And in 2010, finally realized what had been holding me back from pursuing it, which is something called limiting beliefs, thus the book. And what I discovered is that this is a scientific concept that really goes to how all of our minds work. It's sort of like our default operating system, if you will. And what I discovered was so profound that I then really started to dive into it on a, a much deeper level and greater scale, studying the neurosciences, also getting my professional coaching certification along the way mm-hmm. and jumping into neurolinguistic programming and really everything I could get my hands on about 
human performance, how our unconscious mind really drives all of that or keeps us from pursuing <laughs> what yeah. we would like to. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the level that we desire. Well, so tell me more, tell me more about 2010, because I, I'm, I'm curious, is that something was being an Ironman triathlete, something that you had kind of thought about for a long period of time before that, or was this kind of one day kind of waking up realizing that, Hey, I'm, I'm super successful in my kind of professional life. You know, I want to do something, you know, above and beyond that. And, and, and Ironman was kind of this pinnacle, you know, let me add this to my, to my list of success. I mean, tell me, tell me about how they came up. Cause I'm, I think most people don't wake up one day and decide they're going to be an Ironman triathlete. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the journey started for me at age 14 when I saw the Ironman on TV yeah. and I didn't have any clue what it was, but I was hooked, mesmerized yeah. at an emotional level. And I think because I did have this inkling that, hey, what if I could do that? And if I could do that, then what else am I capable of that I'm not tapping into right now? So that feeling then stayed with me because the other thing that happened when I was watching the coverage and all of this, you know, emotional stuff was going on, I also was doing something called comparison bias, which was I was comparing myself and my athletic ability to the people on TV. Mm. And immediately, I mean, it, it's less than a split second when this happens. Immediately, I thought, well, I'm, you know, a far lower level. I'm just this recreational runner and mountain biker. And they are, you know, at this elite level and, you know, they're professionals. So I couldn't possibly compete. You know, I just saw through comparison bias, this huge chasm between the two of us and thought, wow, that's never going to happen. And that is how limiting beliefs work. Yeah. And just for, for those listeners that, that don't know kind of the, the, the details of triathlon, give us the uh, distances for an Ironman distance triathlon. Yes. So an Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim in the ocean, then a 112 mile bike ride finished off with a 26.2 mile marathon. And there are uh, probably 50 some full length Ironman triathlon races, meaning sanctioned across the world. However, the one that I wanted to do was where the best of the best have to yeah. earn a spot to compete against each other. Only 2000 spots to compete are reserved for those athletes and you have to qualify to get into it. So usually it is the fastest, you know, athletes in their age groups and most of who compete there are pros. Yeah. And just let me set the stage for everybody. I'm nothing close to that. <laughs> everybody can relate to me because when I embarked upon this, finally, I was age 44. I had never completed a triathlon of any length horrible swimmer, had never ridden a road bike and had never run a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to write the book, because this and six other keys, along with being able to transform and conquer limiting beliefs, I came to find out through that journey are the six most basic keys to greater level of success because you know how your mind works and you can tap into the operating system and the power of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to impress upon people. Getting to Kona is not not an easy feat. It's one thing just to, it's actually, a, I think, a feat of doing any one of those segments <laughs> on its own, but actually <laughs> putting them together and then putting them together in a way that you qualify for Kona is is, uh, is, is quite an accomplishment, particularly when you, like you said, you started at 44. I mean, this was not, is not something that, you know, you, you were groomed as a teenage athlete to, you know, be a world 
world champion record, but this this is something that you really kind of set out to do and had to kind of build up the the plan, the performance, the capabilities, not only physical, but mentally, you know, being able to complete something like that is, is quite a quite a challenge. Yes. And this is what I want to impress upon everybody that, first of all, I'm just like everybody listening right now. Yeah. Right. I'm not a remarkable athlete. In fact, I have to work my ass off at this stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. But by learning how my mind worked and harnessing the power of it, I was able to cross the finish line two years after pursuing that dream. Yeah. It's incredible to think that that so much of this is mental and just how how you kind of approach it and how you frame it and how you think about it that determines our output and our, our performance and our, our outcomes. What So you mentioned limiting beliefs. Let's talk a little bit about that. What I guess technically, what is a limiting belief? How does it get formed? How does it come up? How do we identify it? Like what, what is this and how does it manifest itself? So limiting beliefs are anytime we think or say, well, I don't have enough money, time, talent, support, whatever, fill in the blank to achieve that. That is a limiting belief. And they get formed basically because our caveman brain, and and that's really what this goes back to, right? Our brains, our unconscious mind specifically, were created to keep us safe so that we could survive another day and proliferate the human race. Mm -hmm. The problem is it's still a bug in the operating system. We don't need that any longer, but what it does is anytime we're faced with something different, dangerous, or new, and by dangerous, I mean perception of danger, according to our unconscious mind, Mm, then our mind is going to default in, nope, we don't want to do that. We're not going to be able to do that because that could kill us or that would be very dangerous for us to, right? So it's just trying to preserve, you know, us as a human species. But the problem is that gets in our way all day long. And that's what I finally realized that Not only had I been holding myself back in this big thing called the triathlon, the Ironman, but I had also been holding myself back from professional goals, other personal goals that if I didn't know absolutely for certain through previous evidence that I could achieve something, then I would hold myself back from it. And it wasn't even something I was consciously aware of. It all happens behind the scenes. We're not consciously aware of it unless someone actually opens our eyes to it and starts asking us questions about it. Then we kind of reel back the tape and go, Oh yeah, yeah, wait a minute. How did I? How did I actually decide that? It's fascinating. I mean, it, it, that it's that these limiting beliefs. The thing I find about it, limiting beliefs is that that the person that has them is more times than not completely oblivious to them. <laughs> you know? And it, and it because it's it is yeah. this kind of this self preservation mode that kicks in. So it's really your kind of mind tricking tricking yourself to try to protect it. But it's often easier to see in somebody else, or at least in here in there, you know, as you hear them kind of talk through a situation or as you see them kind of operate through something, you know, from the outside, it's often easier to see it. But if you're in it, you do not see it at all. It is, you're completely oblivious to it more times than not. Yes, absolutely agree. And there's one other form of limiting beliefs that I want to touch on. It's when someone else tells you, you can't do that. Now external, external limiting Now that is only them placing their limiting beliefs on you. It has nothing to do with fact or truth about whether you can or you can't. It's just their limiting beliefs getting in your way. Yeah, and the same thing that we see. I see that all the time, and I and it's. I think the most sort of dangerous or the most, the, the ones that have the most impact are the ones that are, that are coming from a, a seemingly place of good intention, right? Someone who cares about you or loves you or, you know, wants you to be, wants you to be kind of quote, successful in some way, but, but then advises you or, or says something to kind of protect you from harm. 
you know, quite unfortunately, sometimes are the closest people in your lives that that end up providing or, or seeding those things or having this external limiting beliefs because they're worried they, they don't want to see you fail. They don't want to see you struggle. Like, talk to me a little bit about what you see in terms of these external beliefs and where do they come from and, and how do they impact our thinking and our, our actions? Well, case in point, my husband at the time said, you will never get there. You don't have what it takes to be an Ironman. Yeah. And for the rest of that juicy story, you'll have to pick up the book. But... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a couple chapters in there that we could read. Yeah. But here's the thing. What they're doing, what other people are doing when they place their limiting beliefs on us is, first of all, they are trying to protect us from pain. Yeah. Right? They do care for us, and that's how they're showing it. The other thing that's happening is they are using their own litmus test, if yes. you will, for whether they think we can do it based on their perception of us right? Their perception of our abilities or our capabilities. But, uh, you know, I, I dispel all of this by using a four-letter word that begins with F. Okay. <laughs> do I have to, is, am I going to have to make this not safe for work? <laughs> <laughs> which is the word fact, F-A-C-T. Because we think all of these things, whether they, you know, whether we come up with them or someone else comes up with them and verbalizes them to us, we think that they are facts, right? Like you could have said to me that it was a fact that I had never done a triathlon of any length. I had never ridden a road bike and I had never run a marathon. Well, yeah, those are facts, but it's not a fact that I haven't done any of those things. And it means then that I cannot compete in the Ironman World Championships and finish. See, but it's it's that leap that is instantaneous that people make. And that that's why I think it's so important. And this is this is what drove me to write the book, not even being an author. Right. I mean, I remember when <laughs> yeah. I had this idea, I literally looked around in the space around me like who me really? You mean me? OK, yeah, I guess I could do that. I thought, well, if I've already you know, figured out how to get to and finish the Ironman World Championships, then I can do the same thing with a book, right? But I wanted to put this out, out there because it is so germane and central to our way of thinking and our actions and inactions every single day. You know, now I've brought this and, you know, behavioral pattern work into the executive coaching space because it was so needed. There was nothing like this out there that addressed what was actually going on in people's heads. So once we, but so we find a limiting belief, or we we become aware of a limiting belief that we have. What do we do? I mean, I, so it seems like it's harder than just saying, "Okay, I'm going to stop thinking that" or "stop believing that." What is the process to 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 rewrite to rewire that? Mm, I'm glad you asked. And in the show notes, I'll give a link to a step-by-step -step technique on how to take your limiting beliefs and transform them into unlimiting beliefs, yeah. okay? Because once you do that, literally, it's like rocket fuel. You can do anything you set your mind to, honestly. I often describe our unconscious mind and its ability as a spectrum, and on one side of the spectrum is limiting beliefs. The other side of the spectrum is our ability to carry out anything we can think of, like literally anything yeah. we can think of. And there's millions of examples of this out there. I mean, just, just look at any of the icons of massive business success that you want to point to, right? Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Richard Branson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And that's just in business, right? But that's what I'm talking about. So, and it, it's basically three steps, which goes like this. Number one, you've got to identify them and become aware of them, right? So in the 
tool that I'll provide through the link in the show notes. Step one is taking an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and asking yourself, what's holding me back from achieving X, which is, you know, for me, it was the Ironman. It can be your big dream. It could be your big Y, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you jot them all down on the left-hand side of a page. For me, I found that I had a whole page full of these, whereas when I started, I thought it was just that one Mm -hmm. limiting belief, right? So that was a shocker, first of all. I was like, oh, wow, no wonder I've been holding myself back on this for 28 years. And then step two is, to come up with and name the exact opposite of the limiting belief, which is therefore the unlimiting belief. Okay. Right? Limiting Give us version. an example. Yeah. So for me, my limiting belief about Ironman was I'm a recreational athlete. They're elite athletes. I can't possibly compete. So my unlimiting version of that was I will compete in the Ironman World Championships. Okay. Yeah. So it's real easy. You just go through and write down the unlimiting version of each one. And I'm curious, as, as you've sort of done this exercise for yourself and with clients and, and stuff, are there are there ways of uncovering this list or is it just kind of come naturally? Like once you kind of sit down and do this, like those will spill out of you pretty easily. Yes. Yeah. Once you sit down in a distraction free environment. Right. So turn off the phone, turn off the computer. Yeah. Honestly, this will not take more than five minutes, but you have to be distraction free. Right. Because asking that question in a distraction free environment, what's holding me back from or what's stopping me from achieving that? That is how you open up your unconscious mind where all these answers are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're just not used to either asking ourselves those questions or even someone else asking us. So we're not used to sort of playing in that space. Right. Mm -hmm. So and if you do get into this reactionary process where you immediately your immediate answer is, I don't know. Just stay with the question. Keep asking yourself that question until the answers come. They will come. They're in there. Trust me, because your unconscious mind created these limiting beliefs. You didn't do it outside of that. Right. And it's amazing. Once you do this, they will come pouring out. Yeah. No, I can imagine. And and in terms of figuring out the unlimiting belief, is there uh, uh, are those are they typically pretty easy to find or is there a formula or, or is there a way of kind of figuring out what the right kind of unlimiting belief is, the corollary to your limiting one? It's usually the opposite. Yeah. So just figuring out what the what what the opposite statement is from the from the what you've written down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very simple. So then step three is take this list with you everywhere. So in step one, you've got to write this list down, right? Don't do it digitally. That's not going to help. It, mm. It's easier to open up your unconscious mind when you're writing things. That's why journaling is so effective. Yeah. Okay. So, but then for step three, you can take a photo of this so that you can take it with you everywhere because here's, here's what you've got to do. To change this pattern, you've got to catch yourself when you are going through the pattern when you're running the pattern, right? Either when you're having these thoughts or you're saying them, then you've got to interrupt it and then ingrain the new pattern, okay? So it goes just like this. I would take my list with me every day. Mm -hmm. That means to the office and to the coffee store and everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then when I caught myself running this pattern, thinking these thoughts, I would literally stop whatever I was doing. This includes in meetings. And I would say out loud, I will compete in the Ironman World Championships because that caused me to interrupt the pattern and then ingrain the new one. I was literally telling my unconscious mind what I wanted it to do, what I wanted it to believe, what I was changing that thought pattern to. Now, 
there is no reason you can't have fun with this. <laughs> because let me just tell you, there were plenty of times when I got the side eye from people like, okay, that gal over there is talking to herself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do I need to like, you know, call the yeah, authorities right yeah. now and have them, you know, get picked up? Uh-huh. But no, the, the cool part about this was every time that happened, after I ingrained my new pattern, I would go over to the person and say, hey, you know, here's what I was doing. And immediately the light bulb would go on. And then I would ask them, hey, what is your big dream? And what's your limiting belief around it? Yeah. And here's the really cool part. Everyone had one. Yeah, exactly. Everyone. everyone. Yeah. And they would light up when I would ask them and they would just come out with it. And then, you know, it was almost like they had never allowed themselves to verbalize it or even admit it to themselves. So just by me asking the question meant a lot. And then when I saw them again, every time they would run up to me and give me the update on you know how they were doing <laughs> with unlimiting their limiting belief, uh-huh. right? Yeah. They'd be like, hey, remember that dream I shared with you last time? Well, here's what I've done. And you know they, they'd always made a bunch of progress all these wonderful things had happened and they were happy and they were vibrant and they were no longer holding themselves back from things that were important to them. Yeah. No, I can say, I, th- I think it's, uh, uh, epidemic <laughs> you know, in terms yeah. of, you know, the, the people's infection of these self-limiting beliefs. What, so talk to me about like, once you, once you do that reprogramming, like what, how do you turn some of these things into action? So you, so you've, you've, you focused on kind of the programming side of it. How do you then take, or what is the next step in terms of then putting some of these things into play or, or how do you take action in terms of you know doing the work you need to do to actually become the Ironman world champion competitor? Well, that's the, the key, isn't it? Like this is not, Hey, say this stuff and yeah. reprogram and then manifest it and the universe <laughs> will bring it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Believe me, you cannot cross the finish line at the Ironman World Championships by doing that. So what's next is you've got to do what it takes, right? So you've got to embark upon the journey. You know, what's what's that going to look like? What's involved? And then what is step one? You know, because a lot of a lot of folks will get overwhelmed. And I started to get overwhelmed by taking that on. I mean, I had no earthly idea, even step one. Right. So what I did was I started verbalizing my dream with people. And the second person that I shared it with said, oh, you know, my cousin did that and he hired a coach. I bet that's what you're going to do, too. And I went, yeah, that's a great idea. I should do that. Yeah. But but here's what happens. I mean, scientifically, what's going on is the more that you ingrain this new pattern by verbalizing it out loud, you're it's becoming your identity. Right. So your unconscious mind starts to engage to see you that way. Right. To see you doing whatever you're talking about. So it started. I started to see myself as a triathlete. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then. I also started seeing conversations and opportunities to bring into play what I needed to get to cross the finish line. I mean, stuff that I had never seen or considered or heard before. It was like this whole world opened up and then it was like my radar was on. And then I would catch all these little snippets and go, now, wait, what? What did you say? And it always led me to what I was going to need. But make no mistake, this is do whatever it takes, you know, every step that's involved, because there were also plenty of things that I found out after I had already jumped into the deep end, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that nobody told me about. 
And quite frankly, if someone would have laid <laughs> out at the beginning when I was making the decision, I might have backed away from it because it's yeah. a lot. It's a yeah. lot. It's more than we ever think it's going to be, but it is so worth it. So that's step two is do whatever it takes. And I'll give everybody a little preview. Sure. Step three, or I should say keys, because these are it's seven keys in my book. And uh-huh. so Key number one is to conquer your limiting beliefs. Key number two is do whatever it takes. And the third key, although this is only three of six people, so you got to get the book to see the others. But the third key is no discipline. Okay, talk to me more. I I have a working kind of knowledge of discipline, but what do you mean by discipline? (laughs) Okay, it is an intentional play on words. It is having the discipline to say no to things that are going to get you off track from what you want to achieve. So it is delegating things out of your schedule, even saying no to more things than you probably ever have that are literally just getting in your way or they are derailing you. Also, you know, saying no to the mobile device more often. I mean, that thing, geez, that is a big dream killer, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's been study after study done on how many times a day we check that thing and waste time on Facebook and other social media, whatever. Right. Listening to podcasts. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't include that in my list, right? Uh, no, I but, get it. You know, really, really looking at everything you're spending your time on, because here's the context of it. Back in 2010, I was a CEO. So I had a really full schedule. And then I took on this thing called the Iron Man, and I had to build in 22 to 24 hours a week yeah. inside my schedule. That meant I had to do things very differently. If I was going to be able to complete all those things to enable me to cross the finish line. So I had to look at the way I spent my time in a brand new way. Like I was crafting someone else's schedule almost. I like that. Well, I like that idea because it is, I mean, in in some respects you are, you're correct. You're, you know, you're crafting the new you. And and I think you need to be willing to give up that old you to be able to do that. If you, if you hold on to that too, too tightly, or if you're, if you're too attached to that, it's going to be really tough. Like you, you need to be willing to give that up. Right. Yeah. When you give that up, it will enable you to become the new you. Yeah. If you don't give it up, if you, you know, hold on to it, then you're just going to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. And what are some of the other challenges that that come up as you as you start to put this in place, as you start to you know put the discipline in place? What are the distractors or what are the things that can prevent you from becoming or, or from having the discipline that you need? And how do you kind of tackle those? And how do, how do you help you know the people that you coach and work with? You know, what comes up and what are the strategies you use? Well, first of all, there's going to be surprises, right? And and everything is not going to go like you want it to. I think that's the toughest thing for us to deal with. You know, after we transform our limiting beliefs and, you know, we'll do whatever it takes, you know, there are setbacks and they are emotional, right? I mean, I can remember, and these are all in the book, but I can remember many, one of which was thinking I had come all this way in swimming and then being the last swimmer in an open water 2.4 swim uh, race because it took me so long to complete it. Everyone had left the race site, including my coach. And as soon as I got out of the water and crossed the finish line, they rolled up the timing mat and took down the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't do it fast enough to count. Mm -hmm. So everything I had just done and all the training I had completed, it felt like it, it nullified it all. Like, you know, what, what was I really doing this for? I mean, it really stung at a deep level. And, you know, this is where, the people that I chose to surround myself with who were supportive from the word go, like 
they they did not place any limiting beliefs on me. They were constantly helping me unlimit my own beliefs. Those were the people that I turned to in those situations. And they lifted me right back up and said, nope, wait a minute. Let's take you back to your purpose. Why are you doing this? And this is just a momentary setback. And it was an opportunity for me to then address, you know, where I was still needing to do some work, you know, and that that's the thing, right? We're not going to be perfect at this. We're not going to be perfect at anything first time out. And if we are, well, I happen to think we just got lucky. But, you know, you create your own luck on an ongoing basis when you know, you evaluate your results and then you retool and you tweak and you shift and you make changes and you alter your approach a little bit to get where you want to go. That's it's a constant effort and process to do that. Yeah. And it seems like there's a, a difference uh, between kind of an unlimiting belief and a sort of delusional belief in that, you know, if, if you uh, completed that race, if you finished that race, and didn't didn't have the right frame of mind to say, okay, look, I'm I, I know this is where I am, and I know I have improvements to make, and I need to be able to look at this as a learning opportunity and as feedback and as a way to kind of you know find areas or or identify areas where I need to improve versus just well, I'm I'm an amazing world class swimmer. You know, there, there's it seems like there's a there's a a delicate kind of dance there in terms of how do we kind of frame these unlimiting beliefs in a way that they're still going to be helpful, that they're going to drive us, that they're not going to, they're still going to allow us to recognize where we need to make improvements. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of grapple with that issue? Mm, well, I think what you just described is getting caught up in ego, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, look at me, look how great I am. Look at how far I've come, look at everything I've accomplished. And then when something doesn't go as planned, it's how quickly can you toggle out of the ego and into clarity and honestly being vulnerable about, you know, uh, asking yourself those tough questions? Okay, what what didn't go right here? What did go right? Uh, and I call it failing forward, yeah. right? I mean, I, I didn't come up with that, but that's always what I think of first. Like, okay, what can I learn from the experience I just had? You know, looking at it from... Uh, you know, a neutral lens instead of, you know, getting all wrapped up in the emotion that maybe I'm internalizing it to mean I'm not good enough. I'm I'm not capable enough to do this. Maybe I should give this up. Maybe I'm not meant to do it. You know, all of those things that come in with that emotional charge that, you know, we we get from something when we stay in ego too long. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's there's, you know, a tipping point between you know, bravado to get you through something, you know, confidence even to get you through something. And then that tipping point when it tips over into ego that is no longer serving where you want to go. Yeah. And uh, I think that's an important, you know, kind of important balance, important in realization. And, and you do, you do, you need, you need to have the confidence, but if that confidence starts to become, starts to not serve you well or, or blind you to things that you really need to be aware of to be able to succeed is, is important. Tell me a little bit about how you work with clients. Who do you typically work with? How do you work with them? What is what is the process look like for you? Uh, what kind of results are you helping leaders, executives in the coaching work that you do? So we work with C-suite and senior level executives, those who are not in ego, who are highly self-aware and know that they can improve. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're probably really good leaders right now and they want to be great. And they are willing to raise their hand and say, hey, you know what? I know that this is going to take work and I know that I can improve. So I'm going to do it. And 
they, you know, they probably been through traditional either business coaching or leadership development programs, Mm -hmm. you know, so they've got kind of all of that foundational stuff, but they're looking for something that's higher level. And I would say faster, quite frankly, that's why Mm -hmm. the name of my company is Velocity, because this stuff works really fast. And that's, I think, the first thing that surprised everyone that we work with. You know, when we when we first start the engagement, we establish goals and objectives. You know, basically, what are the results from our work that you want to see? And we're very specific with it. We attach due dates to it and we really push them on them. You know, if we have a six month engagement, I'm not going to let them take six months to achieve that first round of goals. I'll say, okay, how about we give you 30 days? Yeah. yeah. Like, Push the pace. Well, wait, what? 30 yeah. days? Is that going to be long enough? Is that realistic? Mm. Self-limiting beliefs. Push- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I tell them, hey, you know what? We're going to be working on, on this on a daily basis because then we use a very structured coach-client interface system that they have to interface with every single day. Because again, like when we talked about limiting beliefs, that's how we change a behavioral pattern. We don't change a behavioral pattern by talking about it once or twice a month and then not doing anything on it in between, right? So then the fact that they have to engage with the system uh, on a daily basis makes it easier for them to change this behavioral pattern. And then every time they come back to me and go, wow, holy smokes, I am amazed at how quickly this is working. Like I am aware of this every day. It's so much easier to change it. And, you know, then five or six weeks later, they've achieved it. And then they're really excited because then they go, wow, okay, now can we work on this, this, Mm -hmm. this, this, and this? You know, it's sort of round two, you know, like the the more elevated stuff that they really want to accomplish. So in a nutshell, that's how it works. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And if people want to find out more information about you, about uh, the program, about Velocity, about the book, what's the best way to get that information? Best way to get in touch and get everything we've talked about is go to velocityleadershipconsulting.com. Again, that's velocityleadershipconsulting.com and put a forward slash and the word greater, meaning greater success behind it. And that will take you to show notes and links, the step-by-step unlimiting your beliefs process. You can get in touch with me. You know, we can talk about coaching or whatever, you know, whatever behavioral patterns are, are getting in your way of being great. Excellent. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so people can click through and, and get a hold of that. Karen, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure being on. Thank you, Bruce. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.